Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Network podcast. My name is Jason Freshly. I'm the Director of Business Development for Wedding Network USA, and I'm super excited to have our guest, Lisa Sheldon, on, who is the owner and founder of DWHSA, and if you're wondering what that stands for, Destination Wedding and Honeymoon Specialist Association. And we're super excited to hear what she has to say about destination weddings, travel, honeymoon, and how that ties into the wedding planner and how the wedding planner can benefit and work together with the travel industry. Cherie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm saying so excited to have Lisa here today. We met in Mexico about four years ago and happened to have little display tables. I was down there to speak at uh, Love Mexico and Lisa and I ended up with little display tables together because we were both associations. DWHSA, WNUSA, I mean it was kind of you know a given thing and she's a fun person just like me and really silly just like me and she loves flamingos and so I thought this is a friend for life and we've kind of uh, determined that we are a little bit of soul sisters. But what I've learned from Lisa over the past few years is the value of using a good travel agent. And I think that that's such an imperative thing for all of us to know. And we we wanted her to come on board today and talk to you all because using a good travel agent, especially when working on a destination wedding or honeymoon, can save you as the planner or the referring person so much time and energy. And they have the knowledge. I mean, they know the good resorts and the places not so good and, and what you could expect at different locations. And um, their knowledge, just like those wedding professionals' knowledge, is just top drawer. And that's to your advantage to know somebody like Lisa. So Lisa, good morning and so glad you're here. Tell me how in the heck you got started as a travel agent. Well, I guess I've always wanted to be involved in the travel industry. When I was in high school, my now husband of 39 years, um, for, for something to do, we'd drive into the Milwaukee airport, which is about an hour, 15, 20 minutes away. And for like 10 you could go up on the observation deck and watch the planes take on and you know take off and land and just always wanted to be involved in the travel industry and later in my married life uh, when we moved to Indiana there was a travel school nearby and it presented the opportunity I took out a loan for $1,500 I was scared to death to do that but I took out the loan and went to school two nights a week and on Saturdays and went to travel school and was able to get placed in a job right away and became a travel agent. And that's back when, you know, we were issuing airline tickets and Amtrak tickets and and handwriting tickets and just learned from there. I mean, it was all experience-based. You know, I went on a couple trips right away. The agency owner sent me to Hawaii and on a cruise and to Las Vegas. Within the first three months, I was an agent and I'm starting, um, I'll be finishing up. I'm, I'm like in my 29th year of being an agent right now. And so I've been blessed with lots of travel opportunities and have met people from all over the world. And I guess I've never seen myself doing anything else. And that kind of, you know, led me to, you know, my position now with DWHSA. 
I can just imagine the amount of change you've seen in the industry from handwriting paper tickets to everything being on computers today. What a wild ride. And I'm sure you used to have those giant books you had to look things up in and and everything else. So I can see that 29 years of experience really gives you the knowledge to share with our members about the value of a good travel agent. And how exciting as a young person to be right away sent on three trips. Hello. People today would love to get sent on three trips, and you just came back from Fiji, a wonderful trip, I know. So tell us a little bit about travel today and what that experience brings back for you, for your clients, and especially for DWHSA. Well, I'm always looking at, you know, as my travel, as a client would travel for my clients. I'm always looking at it as how my clients would experience the resort, looking at it as how, you know, guests experience it. So I'm always talking to guests at the resort. I want to know, you know, their feedback, uh, what they like and how they're enjoying things, you know, flying and, and, that type of thing. That's a mode of transportation. It's it's a necessary evil to get where you have to go, but resorts all have personalities and different atmospheres and putting a guest at the wrong resort can make it, you know, a really bad situation. So it's really important that, you know, as an agent, we get to different resorts to see the different types for our clients and getting to experience them. And that's really important. It's not a glamorous life that people think. Um, I can tell you when we were in Fiji, we, were, uh, we saw 20 resorts in 12 days and were constantly moving on, on flights and boats. And, and, you know, while it was fun and I'd probably do it tomorrow, it, it was strenuous and long days and very hot and you know, you take for granted a, a nice clean pair of clothes and a shower and <laughs> living out of a suitcase for 12 days. I, I can imagine. And actually here, 20 resorts. So were you just in the... No, no. So we were on seven different islands. We took boats. We took flights. You know, I was on a six passenger plane that landed on a grass runway. So... <laughs> We, we got to experience a lot of different things. I would consider that a vacation because I would love yeah. to see all those different things. But I can see how that would take a little bit of extra energy and effort. And people who are not in the travel industry don't realize that, well, yes, you do get to go to Fiji for you said, 12 days. You also spent most of that time running from place to place to place. Right. We spent hours traveling between the two, you know, different places. So like I said, it was, it's probably the most incredible place I've been to in all of my years of travel. So Lisa, would you talk a little bit about, as we start thinking about destination weddings, about like the types of offerings some of the resorts we have? Uh, you and I have been to several places in Mexico, you many more than I have. And would you talk about the different types of resorts and what they have to offer and why they're good for a destination wedding and or honeymoon? Well, the resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, all have wedding packages that have the basic needs to get married, uh, the services of the wedding coordinator on property, the, you know, the small cake, the boutonniere for the groom, the wedding bouquet for the bride, some things, you know, maybe 10 chairs for the guests, a very small little, you know, 
archway, limited flowers, you know, limited decor, that type of thing. And then you can add on from that. There are wedding packages that will include 20 guests or, you know, 70 guests. It just depends upon the resort, the type of wedding package. And then there's always those a la carte items that you can add on, whether you have 120 guests, if you want the lighted dance floor and the chandeliers over the dance floor, and you want the latest trend that you've seen on Pinterest and for decor and you know, just anything that you want. People think that if they go to, you know, maybe Mexico or the Caribbean, it's, they're not going to have any, you know, of the things that you might have in the U.S. And that's not true. They are up to date. The wedding coordinators and the decor companies down there are spot on with everything that's available here in the U.S., AV equipment, they can, you know, project your initials or your new name, Mr. and Mrs., you know, Smith up on the wall of your, you know, venue. I mean, they can do anything. So it's really exciting to be able to say that you can have the wedding of your dreams and have it maybe on a beach or a beautiful sky deck overlooking that beautiful blue water. And, you know, seeing the different destinations, seeing the different resorts, learning about the different wedding packages. There's, like I said, different resorts for different, you know, personalities, whether it's adults only, you know, family friendly. There's something out there for everybody. One of the things that I um, was really surprised when my first time that I went down there and when I met you was the volume of suppliers that were on hand for everybody attending the conference to meet and the caliber of things that they had to offer. Some of the most exquisite floral that I've ever seen. And I've done hundreds of weddings myself. So for me to see that kind of availability, I was really stunned. And one of the things too that was so impressive to me was the rental furniture and things that if if something was wanted and they didn't have it, they would make it for you. I was stunned. And the capability of the resorts and the training of their wedding coordinators on staff. If you're a wedding planner in the United States and and your client wants you to come along, that's fine, but you won't have to be running around setting up chairs anywhere because they're going to take care of all that. And their people are, as Lisa said, spot on. So what can the guests expect, Lisa, when they come? Would they be at an all-inclusive resort? Would you kind of talk about the guest experience and the types of resorts and what they offer? As a guest uh, attending a destination wedding, they're like on any vacation, they're going to be able to take advantage of everything the resort has to offer. They can experience the, the entertainment that the resort has to offer, nightly shows, the pool area, maybe some non-motorized water sports. All-inclusive resorts, of course, offer the, you know, the meals and the alcohol. And so hanging out at the pool bar uh, with your friends and family um, is always fun. It's a great way when you're doing a destination wedding that instead of just one day with your family and friends, um, you get to spend three or four days with people that you might not normally see too long on the day of your wedding, you know, if you're having a traditional wedding back home. So everybody's nice and 
you know, suntanned and all dressed up and ready for the wedding. And all they basically do is just walk over to the wedding site at the time of the ceremony and enjoy the ceremony. And there's often a reception later, maybe just, you know, sometimes brides and grooms just opt to have just, you know, maybe champagne and toast and, and cake. And then later on, you know, have a set up dinner. It just depends upon the size of the group. Or they can have a really elaborate affair where there's, you know, a large group. South Asian weddings, the Hindu and Indian weddings are huge in destination uh, like Mexico. The cost comparisons, you know, based on having them in the States versus in like Mexico, just unreal. You know, you can have them for probably a third or a fourth of what the costs are, you know, based on the state. So they are huge. And the wedding coordinators are trained on how to handle them and all the ceremonies. So there you're going to have guests in excess of, you know, maybe two, three hundred. So you can take up a whole resort. They have everything they need to handle those types of weddings and, and the guests. So um, certainly the guests are going to be able to experience everything they want to in the area. There, there's excursions that they can do. You know, they don't just have to stay on the resort. They can go off property and golfing or off-roading or zip lining or go swim in a cenote or go see the ruins, uh, shopping, you name it. They can you know, there's all kinds of things for them to do. One of the questions that I'm curious about, the different types of destination weddings kind of broken down by whether it's an all-inclusive resort or it's a package resort or kind of pay-your-own-way resort or the number of guests that come to destination weddings. I know that there's a huge span in the swath and it ranges anywhere from just the couple with like a friend to 300 people, but are there some averages or maybe packages designed for certain guest members? Well, right now, the latest number I read, and that's from probably August of this past year from Trip Savvy, and that was saying that the average destination wedding size was about 60, which was up. Numbers were down the last few years. Of course, we were dealing with, um, in 2015, it was the seaweed throughout Mexico and the Caribbean. Brides were canceling because of the large amount of seaweed that was washing up in the beaches. And trust me, they were canceling because they did not want that. It was a big mess. Um, the smell was bad. The hotel crews were working on it constantly, day and night, hauling it away. Then we had the Zika virus. People were concerned about that. Those in the marrying age were thinking about conceiving or, you know, were, were pregnant or had, you know, children with them, that type of thing. So that caused numbers to go down for a while. And, you know, people sometimes, they've been to two or three destination weddings. And maybe they've been to Mexico two or three times. So maybe they've opted not to go to another destination wedding. But now numbers are going back up. The economy is doing a little bit better. You know, so numbers are, are back up there again. Most weddings, depending upon the location from where the bride and groom are located, seem to go to all-inclusives because it is the best value. About 20% of weddings happen at what I would say non-inclusive, you know, resorts where clients would then, or, you know, the, the guests would then have to purchase meals, you know, on their own and drinks and that type of thing. Um, but uh, especially from the Midwest where I'm located, all-inclusives is the way everybody goes. 
Okay, okay. You know, natural disasters and natural weather patterns were not something that I had even considered from a destination perspective. I mean, obviously, uh, being, in Austin, <laughs> being in Austin, our, our wedding season ended in July and August because it was too hot to stand outside and get married. Right. Uh, but thinking about the terms of random weather patterns, seaweed causing a drop in numbers is kind of an interesting phenomenon that only a travel agent or a destination wedding person would understand fully. Right. Or hurricanes. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, the hurricanes. the I, was I, I, devastated by the hurricanes this past year. So again, um, you know, that, that affects us. And, you know, having not worked with a travel agent, a lot of our DWHSA members actually gained clients because we had brides calling that had done everything on their own. But then when their plans were completely devastated because of the hurricane, then they were left completely out on their own wondering what to do, where to move, should they cancel, where could they change their wedding plans to that type of thing. And many travel agents came to the rescue. You know, on the West Coast, Lisa, we seem to see, well, of course, the Western side of Mexico, um, Pavo and Puerto Vallarta and whatever, but a lot of uh, destination weddings from here go to Hawaii. And they also have some weather issues, but what they don't seem to have, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I don't believe that it's available to have an all-inclusive package at any of the resorts in, in Hawaii. Is it to your knowledge? No, there are no all-inclusives in Hawaii. So when, um, you know, West Coast, people, you know, anybody traveling to Hawaii, uh, that is a factor when not only they're paying for the, you know, the travel, the, the flight and the, the hotel, they also have to budget for their meals and, you know, drinks and excursions and things like that uh, when they're going over there. So, um, you know, it just depends upon, you know, the couple and their budget and how much they're, they're planning on you know, how many guests and, and that type of thing. So um, as much as I love Hawaii, a lot of times when, when clients, um, you know, ask about it, I will do a cost comparison and show them the difference. And a lot of times Caribbean or Mexico will win out, um, you know, for, you know, based on price. When you're doing destination weddings you're i'm assuming you still work full-time as a travel agent on top of the association as well um i i, I do a little bit of booking travel um okay. i've got 12 agents that work for me now okay. um that, that handle quite a bit of the travel um but i still like to stay involved i still do bridal shows and and like to connect with the brides that type of thing um so you know, keeps me in tune with things. Do you find that there are certain places or areas that come and go as popularity or a constant popular choice for people? Um, over the course of 30 years, you know, maybe you've seen like this location become really popular and then it swings to this place and then it comes back to this place. Yes. It depends upon where the bachelor is being filmed. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, whether, you know, a few years ago it was St. Lucia, it was in Fiji. Um, 
the uh, most recent one, they were in Peru. Um, one of the agents that was with me on the Fiji trip, she had three requests for Peru while we were in Fiji. So because of the bachelor, not necessarily destination weddings, but for honeymoons or for just vacations, because, okay. you know, they'll glamorize it. They make it look, you know, beautiful and amazing. And that's where people want to go. So um, there are trends on, on different destinations. So certainly, um, you know, the, things come up that popularize uh, a destination and we go with it. So. Okay. What are, so other than the bachelor, what are some, maybe a couple other random occurrences that caused a spike in travel somewhere? Um, well, um, when, uh, Tiger Woods got married in Barbados, that brought a lot of notoriety to that Island. It's not, um, you know, it wasn't a big destination for U.S. people, at least from Midwest, but um, a lot of people questioned it, you know. Um, again, it's distance-wise, it's about the same time to get there as it is to Hawaii. So, um, you know, people would weigh out the difference then. Um, so that was popular for a while. Um, and it just depends, you know, if, especially like with the, um, you know, issues going on in Mexico, now people are diverting and maybe going to the Caribbean. Um, or when everything was happening with the hurricanes, then people, you know, were looking at different places to go to, you know, like maybe Mexico or Hawaii. Um, or Italy, or places like that, you know, to, to get away from, you know, whatever causes. So Croatia is actually one of the biggest honeymoon spots right now. Um, no rhyme or reason on that. It's just one of the hot spots right now. I was, so I spent the summer over in Europe and I didn't go to Croatia, but I had a lot of people who I met in my travels and the hostels and such talk about going in and through Croatia. Uh, I remember mm -hmm. when I was asking some more questions and trying to get some more information, I ended up in Budapest and down in Albania. So I was around it, but I didn't touch it yet. And it, there's an ebb and flow I've learned over in like Eastern Europe where the popularity, same thing that we were talking about with Caribbean and Mexico, where Croatia, oh, Game of Thrones is in Croatia. Yeah. That was yes. the, that was the kicker for that. So that was the big one. But a few years ago, their economy had started to kind of grow and bump up. And as I went down to Albania this summer, that was something that I feel like in three or four years, Albania is going to be in the same place that Croatia is in. Because yeah. they're trying yeah. to bring that in. They really want that. And it's a beautiful country. I had so much fun there. I'm so glad I went when I did. And I'm ready to go back. Yeah. Yeah. So it just depends on, you know, what the, what the hottest miniseries is on, on TV. And, uh, you know, who knows? That'll be the next hot spot. <laughs> and do you get much requests for like Iceland? I mean, that seems to have been kind of a That's very popular honeymoon spot uh, between the Northern lights and the hot spring. Um, you know, especially because people do actually get married year round. It isn't just the, you know, the, the May through October. Right. Um, they can go up, you know, in, you know, January, February and, you know, see the Northern lights and sit in the hot. Spring. So 
around is very popular for honeymoons. So can you talk to us a little bit, Lisa, about how a wedding planner would want to kind of partner up with a travel agent? What are some options or, you know, maybe as a booking buddy or uh, a referral partner, um, you know, a power partner of some sort of situation? What can we um, encourage our planners to reach out to travel agents like yourself so that the clients and all of us are getting uh, more out of the business and a greater understanding of what we have to share knowledge-wise and um, how we can better service our clients? Well, the first thing is I don't do linens and flowers and seating arrangements and a wedding planner doesn't do, you know, seat assignments and room blocks and, you know, you know, puts passport numbers in the, in the reservations. So, working as a team is really important. So there's three potential scenarios that, that we could do this in working together. One, if a, a wedding planner is asked about a destination wedding, say for example, and she says, no, I don't do them, but I do know of a, a travel agent that does, she could just pass on the name of the, the couple to an, an agent. Maybe that um, couple has worked, you know, or maybe that uh, wedding planner and the travel agent have just worked out maybe a referral um, program. Maybe it's a flat fee. Maybe it's a percentage of the total commission that the, the agent earns. That, that, that's one, one case. The second case is maybe that um, wedding planner is going to work hand-in-hand hand with the the travel agent maybe the wedding planner is going to travel with the uh, couple down to the resort um, for the wedding and is going to still oversee you know everything you know that's going on or maybe they are getting married at an off-site uh, venue and so the wedding planner has worked with different vendors and she still feels the need to, to work with that. There again, um, the wedding planner can handle, you know, all of the wedding aspect of it, but yet the travel agent is still handling the flights and the hotel blocks and, and things like that, all the travel arrangements, um, you know, weather delays. Certainly, you know, we, the people on the East Coast have had their share of weather, um, you know, flight delays and, um, you know, getting through Dallas, uh, you know, during January when there's ice storms and things like that. You know, a wedding planner certainly doesn't want to receive those calls or spend all day on Monday rerouting people because they know that people flying out Tuesday aren't going to be able to get out. That's what a travel agent does. Um, we're not just there to get people, you know, to the places. We're there when issues come up to, to handle them. So that's the second thing, working together as a team. The third thing is some wedding planners choose to actually learn the travel side of it, where they do both. And while some can do it very, very well, um, to me, I just think that some of them don't. And one of them suffers either the wedding planning part of it or the travel part of it. 
So I just think that, you know, just partnering with an agent and you both do what you do best and everybody's happy. Everybody does what they do best. And that kind of, you know, then the client's happy. That's the ultimate goal anyway. So, you know, let's just, you know, do what we do best and, you know, work together as a team to accomplish that, you know, common goal. Right. And then as a team, you're each generating revenue for your businesses and your client is the winner. And I think that's just really huge. Um, I know that uh, DWHSA has a conference coming up quite soon, the Romance Travel University event, and it's going to be in Las Vegas the first week of May. You want to share a few details about that, Lisa, and why it would be important for planners to potentially attend? Sure. Uh, Romance Travel University, um, we like to call short RTU, um, is May 1st through the 3rd in Las Vegas. Uh, we hold it at the Embassy Suites in, uh, on Paradise Road. Um, we go off the strip. We, we aren't, uh, you know, all about the flash and you know all the big resorts in you know Vegas we are a jam-packed uh, conference three days of pretty intense learning as Cherie knows she's been involved with us for quite a few years um, she's presenting again with us um, it is a great opportunity to to get your feet wet if one you are interested in learning the destination wedding side of things as far as doing international weddings you might do destination weddings you know and and that's the thing destination weddings are sometimes you know um marked as any any wedding that's 50 to 200 miles away from you know your location um but we're talking international we're talking you know requirements of getting married in another country um, so if you are a wedding planner and you want to learn that side of it, uh, you can attend the conference. We even have pre uh, and post opportunities, um, you know, a one day uh, wedding, what we call familiarization trip uh, throughout uh, Las Vegas, seeing some of the popular sites to get married, maybe have um, rehearsal dinners. Um, you know, and, and the popular sites, or maybe go out to Lake Las Vegas and Henderson on that Friday. On that Monday, we have some four hour uh, little mini trips that will focus on spa and the LGBT um, community. And so we've got jam packed things all week, in addition to meeting with vendors that you would meet, um, travel vendors and things, um, plus a lot of. Uh, local vendors from Las Vegas and the other opportunity there of course is meeting with travel agents who would love to partner with you know a wedding planner and you don't always necessarily have to be in that particular same area you could be in Atlanta and partner with an agent in Chicago um, you know again you the common goal is to make the client happy, and I know agents and, and planners that partner from all over the, the place. 
So another good reason. You can find out more information on our website. It is www.theromancetraveluniversity.com. So make sure you put the T-H-E in front of Romance Travel University. And, you know, you can find out all the information about registering um, for the conference. It's very uh, inexpensive. It's like $249, $299, I think, for the three days of education and your meals. Um, room rates are pretty inexpensive. It's like $129. And, of course, at NBC Suites, you get your, you know, cook-to-order breakfast and the cocktails in the evening. And um, then... Um, you know, all the, the schedule is there, um, and we are um, offering some special tracks probably for wedding planners, um, you know, a, a boot camp sort of for wedding planners who do want to learn some of the travel side of it. Well, and I know, it, yeah, it's always been jam-packed and um, really interesting for everybody in the industry. And what a great opportunity to connect up with some fabulous travel agents, because if that travel agent is traveling to another conference, it's because they're invested in their own business and good planners are invested in their business. The other thing I wanted to say is, Las Vegas is a huge destination wedding location. So it's fun to come there and the Las Vegas um, Travel Bureau or whatever, the Convention Bureau, those gals were awesome and they had so much good information to share. So even if you never plan a wedding um, in Croatia, but you might have clients that want to go to Las Vegas, this is a great conference for you to attend and meet good travel agents and understand um, the things that you can offer and what can ultimately make a really good event for your client. Jason, you're up and moving, buddy. <laughs> I am. Uh, one of the things I wanted to get Lisa to talk about was a little bit more about DWHSA beyond the conference and some of the other opportunities that are available or what you guys do and focus on uh, in case people listening want to get involved. Okay, well, the association is actually for travel agents who specialize in romance travel. However, um, we are looking at putting together a course for the um, wedding planners who want to learn the travel side of things and would like to align themselves with a, a travel agent where they could, you know, learn the travel side of the business um, and, and work with them. And then they certainly could become a member. Uh, DWHSA, our whole focus is education and networking. And so we've been in business five years. I have a partner, John Hawks, who's based in Nashville, and I am in southern Wisconsin. And we started the association, um, you know, with probably uh, the two of us and a, a handful of members that were interested. And now we have over 900 members in the U.S. and Canada. So, and we actually have one member in Australia and one in New Zealand. So they are all travel agents focused on selling honeymoons, anniversary trips, uh, destination weddings, baby moons, um, you name it. So um, our whole goal is to provide the education and tools necessary so that 
the the travel agent makes sure that they know what they're doing because when planning uh, a honeymoon, which is probably you know obviously the first trip that they're taking together as a couple, or a destination wedding, um, you all know this is the most important day of their lives together. Um, we want to make sure that they're doing it right and they have all the tools to do it. Um, and we just try and set the benchmark for education. So that's what the association is all about. And um, we, you know, are always looking to grow. And, and like I said, hopefully we can expand with maybe some wedding planners who want to learn the travel side of things as well. That's great. I think there's definitely a handful of planners who would be interested in finding ways to grow their business and knowing that they can do it with partnerships makes the, the act or the, the hurdle a little bit less higher to jump. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with our podcast listeners before we wrap up today? Well, I just want to thank Wedding Network and Cherie and you for the, the opportunity to talk about this. Uh, we've covered quite a bit. Um, you know, there's people always think that travel agents don't exist anymore, that the internet has replaced us. Actually, the internet is, you know, our friend. Um, it, it does, you know, serves us twofold. One, it's a good source of information. And two, most of the time, we have couples that will contact us that say that they are so overwhelmed by the amount of information out there that they are so confused. They don't know which resort to choose from, which wedding package. Um, they can't decide between St. Lucia or Puerto Vallarta. Um, have you been there? Um, and so it ends up to our benefit because we usually we can kind of rein them in and we ask them questions, we build a relationship with them, and travel agents do something that the internet can't do, and that's listen to the client, and truly take into um, consideration their, their needs and wants, and, and make it a reality for them. The uh, curse and blessing of choices. Correct. <laughs> Which is a benefit to us as wedding and travel professionals. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cherie, do you have anything you want to add at the end here? You bet. I'm hoping that we can get this published soon so that that information about the conference coming up is out there. Um, I so look forward to uh, being involved with DWHSA because some of the nicest people I've ever met are travel agents. And uh, for anyone even remotely considering attending this conference or finding out more about upcoming uh, educational things that they have to offer, you'd be well advised to, to do that. And um, thanks to Lisa and John. John, um, I've had a lot of fun experiences with this organization and really DWHSA and Wedding Network USA, we're kind of like, you know, we, we understand each other's growth and needs and, and how hard it is to do some of our jobs. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun ride knowing both of them. And I really appreciate your time today, Lisa. And I gave such valuable information that I know um, people listening will really understand why they need to use a travel agent, uh, especially planning something as big as a destination wedding or honeymoon and um, reach out to one of your wonderful members. So thanks again for being here. 
Yep. If anybody needs to contact me or has any questions, they can email me at lisa at dwhsa.com. Pretty easy. Pretty I'd be happy easy. To answer Great. That's awesome. And we'll make sure to put links to everything in the show notes as well. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us today. Cherie, always a pleasure to have a guest in the chair. We All right. Will, we will talk to everybody on the next episode of the Wedding Network Podcast. Until then, have a great day.